Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. The Michigan football team won the Big Ten Championship and qualified for the playoff for the third straight year. We recap the shutout over Iowa in Indianapolis and look ahead to the Rose Bowl matchup with Alabama coming up on Wolverine Confidential. Guys, good to be with you here Monday morning, December 4th, on the heels of Michigan's Big Ten Championship victory over Iowa, 26 to nothing. Michigan now 13-0. and They're the top seed in the playoff rankings in the AP poll. They're headed to the playoff, the Rose Bowl against Alabama. We'll talk about all that. Uh, let's talk about the game first on Saturday night in Indianapolis. Uh, it went pretty close to how we thought. Um, we can't say it went exactly how it as we thought, since we, you know, we do make score predictions for this game and, you know, it's a, a little bit different than, than we had, I guess. Yeah. How did this game go? Like you thought it would, what were maybe some of the things that were different and just kind of overall impressions of, of Michigan's performance? Well, the Iowa offense showed up or failed to show up. Uh, I, I figured they'd get some points, maybe a field goal or like a garbage time touchdown. I think, I think I had three points in my, my prediction, but they couldn't do anything. Uh, so it was, it was pretty remarkable to watch. And we talked about this, I think last week leading up to the game, just how impressive it was that Iowa got to this point, given how bad their offense was. And, you know, it had me, you know, at the end of the game, it, it reminded me like it, it was impressive. They were able to win 10 games with which, I mean, they just they couldn't move the football. And I know this wasn't Cade McNamara quarterback. I know they were missing a couple of their top tight ends. But, man, it's like, I, I don't know. It, it's bad. And look, credit to Michigan's defense, right? They do have one of the best defenses in the country. So there is something to say there. But it just I don't know. It just their their, their offense was atrocious to watch. I don't know about you guys, but I had a pretty nice nap on uh, with my eyes open on Saturday night in at Lucas Oil Stadium, I mean, or at least it felt like that. I mean, it was you—you you just knew there wasn't going to be much offense, either, especially when Iowa had the ball. It's like even when that poor pump by Tommy Doman and they started with possession in the in Michigan territory. It's like, oh, where are they actually going to drive thirty-eight yards to score a touchdown? And of course they didn't. They fumbled and on a great hit by Mikey Sandra still. And it's, that was their best scoring opportunity all game. And yeah, it was it was pretty atrocious to watch. Impressive by the Michigan defense. But again, how much stock can you put into that? Because really every defense that Iowa has played has has contained them for the most part this year. Yeah. And, you know, Michigan's defense obviously had, had a lot to do with that. Mikey Sandra still the the MVP of this game. Unanimous vote from the M Live trio here. Uh for, for that award. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think there's a lot to like, uh, you know, from Michigan's defense in this game. Are there any concerns about the offense now? Yeah. Heading into, you know, the, the playoffs with, you know, a few somewhat shaky or at least not, you know, electric performances here in the past several games. Yeah. I mean, there, there has to be right. Like Michigan only rushed for 66 yards Saturday night on 34 carries. So it wasn't by a lack of like trying. They they couldn't. They had trouble running the football. Um, you know, Blake Corum only averaged three point three yards per carry. I think they had one play of fifteen yards or or, or high or longer. Uh, so yeah, they they lacked the explosiveness. Um, JJ McCarthy didn't look his sharp self. And and to his credit, you know, he admitted afterwards too. You know, when we spoke to Jim Harbaugh and the players, 
during the post-game press conference, well, everything was all great because they had won their third straight Big Ten championship. J.J. kind of conceded like, hey, I didn't play my best. We have work to do on offense to the point that Jim Harbaugh kind of talked him off the ledge saying you played great. Like you didn't make many mistakes. We had some uncharacteristically dropped passes. He said you didn't make any mistakes, which was like uh, – <laughs> uh, what game were you watching, Jim? Because he 100% did make some mistakes. And I, th- <laughs> I thought well, that there, was... There were some drop balls, but there were, I think, some decision, questionable decisions made by JJ, especially with some of the throws he made. And and one in particular, maybe he should have picked up and ran for the first down as opposed to chucking it downfield. So, um, and, and this isn't, like you said, Andrew, this isn't the first week where we've, we've seen... Uh, you know, the, the offense struggle. It's been a few weeks now. Now, part of it maybe is on the offensive line. Um, you know, they, they're obviously playing without Zach Zinter. Uh, Drake Nugent played banged up and he had to come out of the game at one point. So that offensive line, I think, is having a, an effect on, on Michigan's offense. I, I don't know what to degree. And obviously the Mich- Michigan coaching staff isn't going to tell us, but there's there's work to do. There's cleanup to be had. Uh, luckily for them, they've got almost a month to do it. But I think that's the biggest, like, head scratcher or maybe concern hanging into the playoff is just Michigan's kind of lackadaisical play. Just they're, they just they're, they look out of sync. They haven't been able to put together yet. Somehow they were still able to score 26 points. I, I will say this, the Iowa was, it, I was very impressed with their tackling ability. It's like there was a couple of times where Michigan got a little bit in, into open space and just needed to make one guy miss. And they weren't able to do that because Iowa was able to make the tackle on, on the perimeter. And yeah, they're the, fr- they're the Iowa front and, and running up the middle was, there was, it was tough, tough sledding for Michigan all game is, is they were really impressive kind of stuff in the box there with, and their DBs played well to not let anyone behind them. It was a very, it's a very solid Iowa defense that, I mean, a lot of teams have said that all year, but you would still would have liked to see a little bit more explosiveness, a little bit more efficiency from this Michigan offense, especially because they forced so many quick Iowa drives and three and outs and, and, and forced three turnovers. I mean, two of their touchdowns came off of first and goal turnovers or one was uh, the special teams play, but like they had two drives that, that started first and goal. I mean, that you're, you're going to probably come away with points on, on those possessions. So yeah, 215 or 213 yards of offense is not going to be good enough in the playoff. I'll say that. Yeah. And you know, the defensive, the defenses they faced obviously have something to do with that. You know, Ryan, you mentioned, you mentioned Iowa, you know, being very sound fundamentally, keeping things in front of them, Ohio state, you know, ranked, you know, right up there as well. So, um, I think, I think that's, that's a major factor. Um, there are some other things that I think they, they showed that, that were real positives in in this game. And, you know, James Turner, the kicker continues to impress here. He's four for four. He hits a 46 yarder, a 50 yarder. So he was maybe, a little shaky early in the season. That might be too strong of a word, but you just, you weren't sure, you know, if they, if there was going to be a big drop off from Jake Moody and really so far it it hasn't been now, obviously you saw what he did against Ohio state clutch kicks and, and now making them from deep as well. Uh, And if you want to stick with special teams, Samaj Morgan with a, a big return, you know, his first, first chance to do that this year and uh, almost scores a touchdown. So uh, yeah, that, that, that aspect you know they, they always talked about the three phases of the game and special teams at least seems to be playing better of late I think there was some hesitancy with James Turner early in the year from the Michigan coaching staff right they didn't want to force him or put him in situations where he he would struggle and, and I think that's one of the reasons why you didn't see them use him a ton now, obviously the offense was also you know scoring at will and 
able you know more times than not when they got in the red zone they, they'd punch it in for touch or at least on their the other side of the field they, they'd score touchdowns opposed to field goals but um i i think they've really come, been able to come to rely on him now in the back half of the year especially these last final games and i think it's going to matter i mean it, it, it you know every point is going to matter against alabama um you know turner's been he's been great the last you know really two or three handful of games uh, and that was it was the case against saturday night uh kudos to him he's really coming to his own uh i know he he doesn't say a ton jim harwood that uh, you know that's some good things to say about him this week but he, he's really been key and then yeah special teams samaj morgan I, I think he's kind of been the 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 bright surprise this year you know we always talk about at the beginning of the year which freshman's going to come through and, and who's going to be the breakout guy and it's it certainly turned out to be Samaj he's he's played well I, I think he probably could have scored on that punt return touchdown we haven't had a chance to talk to him since but uh that was a uh it, it was a good run uh he probably could have turned it into seven but nonetheless it was an impressive play Hey, I talked to him afterwards. I got him. He, uh, he, uh, yeah, he said he ran out of gas a little bit uh, there at the end. Some little, little some with his hamstring, I think he said, or, or groin or something like that. Just, uh, but, but yeah, he's, uh, you know, basically said he wasn't, you know, as a young player, they had to, yeah, build up that trust and and that confidence to be able, to, you know, to re- return punts. And he was, he said he was out there, yeah, the the one before where he didn't get a chance to actually return it, but um, yeah, did did on this one and and yeah, had a good return. Play of the game in Andrew's eyes was the Iowa player tracking back and and, <laughs> and pushing him out of bounds inside the inside the ten to save a touchdown. It was that was the most impressive play. I mean, in the end, obviously they scored a touchdown anyway, Michigan. But yes, the guy who initially missed him came back and and got him. That was that was amazing. Uh, he was he was my Iowa vote for for MVP. Who the heck else were you going to go for? Uh, and obviously at that point of the game, you knew they weren't winning, so the the award was not going to him. Uh, yeah, anything else from this game? Uh, specifically that that you think is worth uh discussing here before we move on i, I will say uh, one more thing on james turner i mean i was looking at his his stats the other or f- before the game and it's like he's up to 16 of 18 now on field goals with a couple 50 yarders i mean that you can't ask for much better production than that and, and yeah based off the start of the year you would never have guessed that he was he's been this solid this season but i mean that, that mission might need that moving forward like it he paid it paid off in the ohio state game and uh, uh, the Alabama game might uh, might might be the same same thing. So it's been an impressive run of kickers here for for the Michigan program. One note: the uh, the spring darling we were all talking about, Peyton O'Leary, got into the game and, and caught a cat, caught up a pass. I think that was his first of the year. Am I am I wrong there? No, I think he's had. I think he's had more. Did he have the touchdown from Tuttle uh, early in the t- Tuttle threw a touchdown? Yeah. He, yes, he did. Yes. Yep. We saw him in, in a big moment. I, I know we talked a lot about him in the spring. Right. So yeah, he has two catches now for 13 yards this season with the touchdown. So, but yeah, another just sort of it's become old hat for Michigan to be, uh, you know, on that stage uh, on the Indianapolis uh, at Lucas Oil Stadium field. Um, you know, tro- trophy in hand, they're celebrating as as Big Ten champs, third year in a row. Um, you know, this year, of course, a little little more intrigue with with Tony Petiti handing handing. Uh, Zach Zinner, the trophy. Uh, Harbaugh made sure that it was Zinner up there, and uh, not you know not too much interaction between the Big Ten commissioner, who was heartily booed by the Michigan fans, um, and Harbaugh. Um, all right, before we move on to the Rose Bowl matchup with Alabama, sort of halftime of the pod. Um, you guys know I didn't prepare you, but you guys know from past years. Our listeners know this is probably my favorite segment that we do on the podcast every year. It's when I make up bowl names 
mix them in with real bowl names oh my and God. have you guys guess. Oh. Uh, have you looked at the bowl list yet too closely? Getting a no from Aaron. Good. No, I, I was no, I have not at all. Good. That's what I want, of course. That's why I do it now. I could save it for, for closer to the game, but then you will have looked at things, you know. So 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 here we go. All right. Now these are the rules are the bowl name has to be completely fabricated. For example, you know, there's an all state sugar bowl. I won't throw out progressive sugar bowl to try to trick you or or change the uh SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl to the, you know, SRS distribution Reno Bowl. Okay. So, you know, that that's kind of where we stand. So here we go. Uh, we could go Aaron, then Ryan saying whether it's real or fake. The points bet Atlantic City Bowl. Fake. I don't know where they'd play a game in Atlantic City. I'll, I'll, I'll say fake too. Correct. Made up. The Papa John's Papa Bowl. There used to be a Papa John's Bowl, so either they relocated or renamed it. So I'm going to say this is re- this is true. Yeah, I don't think you'd be able to make that up. But I'm saying true as well. That's fake. The Papa John's Papa Bowl is a is a menu item at Papa John's where they put the pizza in the bowl without any of the crust. But it's not it's not a bowl game. The guaranteed rate bowl. That's that's real. Yeah. That sounds very real. Yeah, you're like, this is boring. Why did I even throw that in? There's the bowl we went to last year, all right, out in, in, in Phoenix at the Arizona Diamondbacks field before we covered the Fiesta Bowl. So I was going to be very, very disappointed uh, if you didn't if you didn't get this one uh, get this one right. The avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. Yeah, that's definitely true. There's a Cure Bowl, so it used to be had different different sponsors. So I'm going to say that's real. That is real. That is correct. I feel like I've seen that uh, an advertisement for that or something, <laughs> or, some, some, or a billboard or something like that. It's a weird, weird bowl name, but I, I was confident in that one. Santa Fe Frosty Bowl presented by Wendy's. Fake. Why would that seems like a weird spot for Wendy's to like frost it in Santa Fe? Wendy's is based in Ohio, remember? So I don't know why. Yeah, you're right. I don't know why they do it in Santa Fe. Right. Yeah, I'll say fake as well. That is correct. It's fake. Hmm, should have put a little more thought into the location for that one, I guess. You're right. Fine. Uh, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. That's real. Yeah. Yeah. True. Unless they change the sponsor names. I know there's a game at Fenway Park. That is real. Uh, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Yeah. That's real. I think you got us on that one last year. I, I, I'm going to put that in every single year because, you know, right. I mean, I have Frosted <laughs> Flakes multiple times yeah. a week. So I, I have to throw in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Uh, Notre Dame's actually in that game. The the whole announcement for it was, was kind of hilarious. They had helmets out on the table, but not Notre Dame's. Uh, so then they just had to start shouting Notre Dame. It was it was it was really comical. Uh, the Kansas City Bowl presented by the Eras Tour. Fake. <laughs> yeah, what, a bowl game in Kansas City? No. There, there's a Taylor Swift reference he's getting at, and it, it's totally oh. fake. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Right over my head. <laughs> it, is, it is fake. Yeah, law, that, that's oh. the name of her tour. And yes, of course, Kansas City of, with, with the Chiefs oh, and, and yeah. right. Travis Kelsey. Okay. But yes, right over your head. So you get it that it's fake. The Open Doors NIL Marketplace Bowl. No, but that'd be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm saying no as well. That is fake. You guys are doing great. The Go Buck Naked Chicago Bowl presented by Duluth Trading Company. No. 
Uh, I mean, Chicago, huh? Would a bull be in Chicago? Probably not. But I'll say, I'll say it's real. It's fake. Uh, fake. There is no go right. buck naked Chicago bull presented by Duluth Trading Company. The Pop Tarts bull. Yes. True. Yes. I've seen, I've seen someone's supposed to eat a real pop, or like a life-size pop tart or something. <laughs> yes, the mascot <laughs> is edible. It's a pop tart that the winning team apparently is going to eat. That is yeah. real. The Disney Plus Bundle Orlando Bowl. No. I don't think Disney. I mean, there's Disney stock is too low at these days, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> that is fake. Last one. The Miami Beach Coleman Inflatable Hot Tub Bowl. Inflatable what? Hot tub. Miami Beach Coleman Inflatable Hot Tub Bowl. So there is a Miami Beach Bowl, or there used to be, because it used to have an affiliation with the Mac. So I'm assuming this is true, that they just changed sponsor names. Yeah, that's that, I can see that. That'd be the where it would be located, and yeah, I'll say true. That one is is made up. Uh, oh, I have man. a have a Coleman Inflatable Hot Tub, so that's why I went with that. That's a trick question, because is there still a Miami Beach Bowl? See, I didn't think so. I tried to, yeah, I tried to avoid those things. Yeah. Um, if I, if I screwed up on that, I'm sorry. Uh, but final tally, I think it was, I think it was 11 firm. Was it 10? I think it was 11 to nine. Aaron won by one or two there, but there was only 13 or 14, I think. So you, you both did pretty well. Uh, you know, listeners, you can you can let us know how, how you guys did. But that uh, was a trick one. Miami Beach Bowl existed from 2014 to 2016, played at Marlins Park in Miami. Well, I, I wasn't going back in time for every bowl ever created. Listen, there's none this year. OK, that, that's that's all I was checking to make sure I wasn't switching a bowl this year. But I want a mulligan. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you know, Michigan is playing Alabama in the in the Rose Bowl presented by someone i can't remember who that one is actually off the top of my head it's one of the few where you could just say the rose bowl and, and people know what you're talking about there's a few things to talk about here but aaron i want to start with you because you were you were there in in the room yes with michigan as they got that announcement and there's there's been a bit of a uh you know reaction to their reaction uh with kind of the assumption from some of the videos coming out thinking that i don't know michigan was disappointed or or scared of alabama since you were actually there kind of what's yeah the the takeaway from from how the wolverines uh yeah reacted to to drawing alabama in the rose bowl yeah so they 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 let us into the room for the first time this is now obviously the third year where we've gone through this process where michigan would you know won the big 10 championship in indianapolis uh, and and then learn to their fate the next day. The previous two years they didn't let us in. This year they did, which told signaled to me that there was probably good news on the horizon. And, and sure enough, they got the number one seed. Uh, but you're right. I have read and seen stuff from people project suggesting that maybe Michigan was unhappy with the draw. And I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. And I, I say that for, because of this. Michigan, when, when the number one seed was was announced, I, I thought the reaction from the players wasn't real great to begin with. So that signaled to me that either A, they're hung over from the night before, or B, <laughs> they maybe they knew they were getting the number one seed anyway. So it wasn't that big of a shock to them. And and then, you know, and then and then from there the pairings were announced and they obviously they settled with with Alabama number four. But I, I, I would say the reaction to the the draw of Alabama was about as equal, maybe a little less than them getting the number one seed. So to suggest that they weren't happy getting seated with Alabama, I, I think would, would be a stretch. 
um, just based on how I saw them react to being number one. Like it wasn't like they were jumping up and down and celebrating. Like it, it was, I, it, and look, Blake Corm and some, some of the players said afterwards, it, it didn't really matter what seat they were, whether they were one or four. Now, obviously that's the canned answer and that's what they want to tell you. But um, I, I do think they seem motivated and, and they, they realize that the last couple of years losing in the, in the semis, um, you know, look bad. And I think they're, de- they're, they're destined to try and win this game. So I don't know. I think that was a, mu- a lot was made out of that. I, I didn't take that away initially. And I saw some, uh, some folks, uh, you know, say that afterwards. They started the pre or the selection show, the reporter reporter who was in Ann Arbor led off the report by saying, yeah, these guys were up till four thirty five AM the night before celebrating their win. So obviously they're probably not as energized as they typically would be. And yeah, I mean, I think it was more just shock. I mean, I think many people were probably expecting Florida state to be in that spot. So it was initial like surprise. Like, Oh wow. All right. But like, I don't think that they, that was like, wow. Oh no, we're facing Alabama. Like, I, I I know Andrew's brother or friend when we were driving said that, oh, did you check that out? And we did. And I'm like, I, I didn't think anything was abnormal about it when I first uh, first watched it. I mean, it was it's yeah, it's like, oh, all right. We're playing Alabama. All right. Like it's a, just an initial reaction. I, I didn't expect them to the cackling and hooting and hollering. Yeah, we get Alabama. Whoa. It's yeah, I think that's been overblown a little bit, too. I mean, but whatever. Yeah, we were we were Ryan and I were driving back from from Indianapolis. He had his you know phone on playing the ESPN feed of the announcement, and of course, kind of the internet cuts out like right as they're about to uh, you know announce number four, and um, you know that coupled you know Ryan's uh, literal shaking from excitement over who this fourth team would be nearly knocks me uh, <laughs> off the road. Hard uh, you know, swerve I, back I onto the get, highway. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get back onto the highway. I hit the radio uh, to get ESPN radio and, and just in time to hear that the fourth team uh, is in fact Alabama, which, you know, we could talk about a little bit here since it kind of, you know, affects Michigan. I mean, I, I, I think personally it's, it's wrong that Florida state um, should have been, should have been in this thing. Uh, you know, you could you could debate whether you know Florida State's thirteen and zero is you know better or or worse than um, Alabama's twelve and one. I don't think you know just a, a thirteen and zero team just bot being undefeated has to has to be in. But yeah, using the the injury uh, to the quarterback, um, you know Jordan Travis is is really unfortunate because they still won their their last you know couple of games without them. I just think about like if this was you know, think about you're a Michigan fan and it's, it's, it was JJ McCarthy and, and not Zach Zinner who, you know, broke his leg there against Ohio state. They still win that game. And, you know, they, they beat Iowa say 12, nothing instead. Uh, but, Oh, you know, the committee's like, we, we don't really like what we saw and they, and they get, they get left out. That, that wouldn't seem right to me. That's where I have an issue with the committee and how they operate because all look, I'm, I'm, I hear, I listen in on the, the weekly college football playoff committee, like teleconference, and they always preach about not projecting because, because there's always hypotheticals throughout their scenarios and why teams are ranked ahead of others. And, and Boo Corgan, the chairman, the chair committee always says, we don't try and project. And yet here after a key injury to a quarterback and look, I get it. It, it probably makes, in this case, Florida State undesirable in, in a matchup perspective, because the assumption is if you, if you pick, you throw Florida State in there with any of those three other teams, they're probably going to get walloped. And I would suggest, you know, I would I presume the Vegas line would suggest so as well. So I, I think here they're doing a bit of projecting, 
And I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, I think it's wrong in some regard, but at, at the same token, I get it. Like you want to put the four best teams and create the four best matchups uh, out there. They're trying to come up with who they think are the four best teams available. And I, I think they, I don't know I, if I was in the room, if I had a vote, if I was on the committee, I would have probably done the same thing. Um, it, you hate to see it. it. It's an unfortunate situation. And I think if, if anything, it was probably, uh, you know, a reminder or a confirmation as to why we do need an expanded playoff. And I think, you know, 12 would have been ideal this year. I mean, that's not to say that, that would have been the case in previous years, but certainly, you know, I think Florida state was certainly deserving as was Georgia. I, you know, there was a case to be made there too. So it, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I pretty much agree with Aaron there too. Like it sucks for Florida state. Like they did everything they could and it's, it's remarkable that they went 13 and no, but it, it, the re- reality is the committee is allowed to take into account the injury and they did. And Alabama has won the last 11 games. Uh, and I've talked about this before. I think teams shouldn't be punished for playing a difficult non or out of conference schedule. I, so if they lost the game in the sec before the sec championship, maybe, but they decided to play Texas, uh, another top opponent and they lost but they got better throughout the season. They had picked up several top five, or top 25 wins. They had the fifth ranked strength of schedule and they beat, they knocked off a team that had won two straight national championships in the sec championship. So yeah, it, 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 there was, there was a no win situation for the committee, but I'm happy that it decided to put in Alabama because I think that Alabama is the much better team and they're, they have a, a legitimate case to be in too. I could see in other years. Yeah. Maybe blue bloods maybe got in when they may, might've shouldn't because they weren't as deserving, but this year, yeah, one loss early in the season to another team that made the playoff. I don't think they should have been punished that much, especially with how Florida state has played without their, their top quarterback in the last couple of years. It, it was a tough call, but I think the committee made the right call in the end. Yeah. I mean, they had to play with their third stringer in the, in the conference championship game, Florida state, the, the assumption is that the second stringer will be back for, for, you know, the playoff game. So uh, like, I'm not sure why, why we're just going off, you know, how they looked necessarily in their last game. Well, they also didn't look good with their second stringer. Like Florida should have won that game if they had a competent coach and yes. And Auburn should have beat Alabama the week before too. So I, I I don't know. I mean, and there's an Auburn team that had just got crushed by New Mexico state. So I don't know because Alabama scored 20 something points in that game to sneak by. It's a little different than, you know, a 13 to six game, you know, for Florida state, it it seems like scoring more points helps even if, you know, your defense gives up more. I, I just, um, I I don't know if we're just going based on like the talent that these teams have or, or their coaches track record, then yes, Georgia should be in Um, probably Ohio state should be in maybe instead of, instead of Washington. I don't know. Like we're just going by the point spreads. I mean, Washington was nearly a 10 point dog against Oregon and, and, and lost the game. Um, So I don't, I don't know. Obviously Georgia was favored to beat Alabama and didn't. So um, yeah, the, the idea of like the NFL talent you have on your roster or, yeah, what the Vegas point spread would be for the matchups uh, confuses me a little bit. But that being said, uh, I, I just think Florida State should have had the chance to to show what they what they could have done. We don't know. Um, but well, they'll have a chance to see to play a, a very good Georgia team, and we'll we'll see what happens there. Absolutely. Um, so yes, it does create, you know, at least again, like from a smaller point spread and, and the idea, the perception, at least, uh, that this will be a, a tougher matchup, um, 
you know, for Michigan here, here in this Rose Bowl, Michigan gets the, the number one seed. Um, yeah. What are kind of early thoughts on this matchup? Certainly as you guys discussed, Alabama is, is an ascending team. They're playing, they look to be playing better lately. Again, you did have that, that not great performance against Auburn, but, um, you know, better overall, you know, the last second half of the season than they were in the first. Yeah, they've got a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback. Jalen Milrose in the competition right now. He's probably not going to win it, but he certainly had a better second half than he than he did first. Uh, he's put up some good numbers. The the Alabama offense isn't anything great. I, I think they're basically around you know middle of the pack. They're like around 40th nationally in some of these major statistics. So they're not like off the paper jumping off the paper great, but they're good. Uh, but I, I think where this Alabama d- team is is exceptional is defensively. They've got some great pass rushers. They've got a really good secondary uh, that, that that forces turnovers. So I, I think it's going to be a challenge for this Michigan offense. We'll dive into it here in the next next few weeks. But Michigan, and we talked about it earlier, but Michigan has some improvements to be made offensively. They're going to have to come out uh, and play well because this Alabama defense, its Alabama team has been challenged. They've had they've had a good they've had good competition uh, and. I don't know the, the the defense. I think is going to be probably one of the best Michigan's gone up against, just from a from a high level talent perspective uh, and, and playmaking ability. Because I, I think they, they got some dogs on that team, and I don't to the point where I, I don't think Michigan's dogs on the team. To the point that you know players Michigan hasn't seen all season long. Yeah, the the first thing that stood out to me is who uh, a big mobile quarterback that can get out of the pocket and make plays with his legs. That could potentially be a, a challenge for Michigan because we know they haven't faced many of those this year, and and in the past when they have faced them, they haven't really fared very well. So that that's gonna be interesting to me. I I, I think I've been impressed with with Milrow here, um, and, and the little bit I've seen from him in the second half of the year. They don't have the the wide receiver talent and the running back talent that we're accustomed to see seeing Alabama having it in their championship years, but this is still a a very good team. And uh, I mean, it's a blue blood matchup. It's Saban versus Harbaugh. It's, I mean, number one, all time victories versus number two. It's, I mean, it's sec versus the big 10. I mean, I I think you can't ask for much more out of a storyline matchup in the Rose bowl um, between two blue bloods. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about it. I think it's a, a, great interesting matchup and it should be a great game as well yeah i i and just getting back to how we we started this michigan alabama conversation as far as michigan's reaction to the news you know cornelius johnson you know right after the game the michigan wide receiver um you know said he was almost disappointed that georgia you know had lost uh because you know the thought of all right they're the two-time defending champs. We want to, we want to, you know, beat them, you know, on, on the way to winning it all. So, um, yeah, if you can't can't beat the defending champs, you know, the next best thing would be to to beat the team that beat them. So uh, that'll be Michigan's, uh, you know, goal here uh, in in Pasadena with the other matchup being uh, Texas and Washington on the on the other side of the bracket in the Sugar Bowl. And don't forget too that. Michigan instituted a beat Georgia drill before the season started. So they were actively preparing to play Georgia uh, and sure enough, they're not. So I don't know if, if that you can apply some of that to, to Alabama, the players wouldn't really say yesterday, yesterday when they're asked about it, but nonetheless, yeah, this Michigan team was, you know, just like they've been preparing to play Ohio state the previous couple of years. Uh, they were ready for Georgia and sure enough, you know, the Bulldogs just, just aren't there in the final four. I thought that was cheesy the the second I heard it earlier in the year. It's like you, you there's no guarantee you why would you name a drill for an opponent that you probably will not play this year? Like the uh, the the percentages were probably pretty low at the start of the year that they would actually they would probably most likely have to both make the national championship and 
sure enough, yeah, here we are. And, and they named a drill for a opponent that they will not face in 2023. But <laughs> I don't think it's, uh, if I'm recalling, like the drill wasn't anything specific to, you know, anything Georgia, Georgia run. So, hey, just call it the beat Bama drill. I, I like the idea of Harbaugh just subtly just saying, all right, you know, boys, line up, beat Bama drill. Be what? Oh, no, it's the same thing. Just, <laughs> yeah. just renamed it. Uh, you know, you've got enough time here, several weeks leading up to the, the January 1st uh, game. 5 p.m. Uh, kickoff Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Uh, out there at, at the Rose Bowl, um, you know, and we'll we'll be there with you know, plenty of coverage of that game um, and and plenty more on this matchup on MLive.com/slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.